Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen. Please be seated. Welcome. My name is Jennifer Sloan, and I'm the president of the Canadian Club of Toronto and your host today. And on behalf of the club, thank you to our live and television audience for joining us. We are extremely proud of our 118-year history as the leading public affairs podium in the country. And we're proud of our commitment to providing a diverse set of guest speakers who address issues in a way that our ever-quickening pace of life rarely allows. Led by a volunteer board of directors, we are dedicated to encouraging open and accessible debate on issues that matter to Toronto, to the province, and to our country. Through our youth and young leader programs, civic action diversity partnerships, accessibility commitments, as well as through our media partnerships and social media properties, we provide opportunities for Canadians around the world to engage with leading political, business, and public figures. Thank you for joining our conversation today. To kick us off, I'd like to ask Madame LaRue to draw two business cards. The first lucky winner will receive an iHome rechargeable battery pack, perfect for keeping your device alive and charged while on the go. And the second winner will receive a bottle of premium Ontario Amarone-style wine from the Foreign Affair Winery pioneered and owned by Canadian Club member Len Crispino. Lynn Chow, our Executive Director, will announce our winners. Lynn? Our first winner is Jose Perceau from Desjardins. <laughs> and our second win winner is Maxime Rium from Miller-Thompson. Congratulations. Now please allow me to introduce your head table. Head table guests, please stand as I recognize you and remain standing until everyone's been introduced. And ladies and gentlemen, please hold your applause till everyone's been welcomed. Marc-André Blanchard, Chair and CEO, McCarthy Tetro, LLP. Jackie McNeish, Senior Writer, Globe and Mail. Anne-Marie Hubert, Managing Partner, Advisory Services, EY. Jim Dinning, Chair, Western Financial Group. Terry Leon, CEO, Leons. Brent Scowen, Vice President, Customer Experience, Kojiko Cable. Miriam Hashmi, Manager, Management Consulting, KPMG and a 2014-15 Civic Action Diversity Fellow. Paul Bonifero, National Leader, Practices and People, and Partner, McCarthy Tetro, and a Director of the Canadian Club of Toronto. Martha Durden, President and CEO, Credit Union Central of Canada. Tom Little, President, Bell Business Markets, and our speaker today, Chair of the Board, President and CEO of Desjardins Group, Manik LaRue. Ladies and gentlemen, your head table. I 
I'd like to express special thanks to today's event sponsors, EY, represented by Anne-Marie Hubert, and McCarthy Tetro LLP, represented by Marc-André Blanchard. Anne and Marc-André, thank you both for joining us and for making today's event possible. Thank you for your support. Before I introduce our speaker today, I want to let our audience know that you can join our conversation via Twitter and Instagram by following us at CDNCLUBTO or by using that hashtag. Ladies and gentlemen, on your behalf, I'm pleased to introduce today's speaker. The chair of the board, president, and CEO of Desjardins Group uses every occasion to promote the benefits of cooperation and innovation. At a Montreal business meeting last spring, the first woman to lead a top 10 financial institution in Canada told the audience that we must adjust the way we do business, we must form partnerships, and be determined to innovate since competition comes from everywhere in our hyper-connected world. Truer words have rarely been spoken. Madame LaRue knows of what she speaks. She oversees the world's second strongest bank, that fact according to Bloomberg. The Desjardins Group has a consistent record of offering innovative services to its more than six million members and clients. It pioneered online and mobile banking services in Quebec. Its global connectivity includes cooperative activities in 30 developing and emerging countries through Développement International Desjardins, DID. Looking at Madame LaRue's curriculum vitae, one cannot help but wonder whether she isn't a real-life superhero. Today's event could easily run into dinner if I cover the many details of Ms. LaRue's background and experience. Suffice it to say, she is an accomplished business visionary. She heads the leading cooperative financial group in Canada. The chair, president, and CEO is also a member of the Canadian Council of Chief Executives, a member of the governing board of Finance Montreal, and serves on a number of cooperative boards internationally. A member of the Order of Canada and L'Ordre National du Québec, she finds time to participate in many not-for-profit organizations. In fact, last year, she chaired the fundraising campaign for the United Way of Montreal. After her remarks, Madame LaRue will be joined in conversation with Jackie McNeish, senior writer at the Globe and Mail. A seven-time National Newspaper Awards winner, and author of three best-selling books, Ms. McNeish is also an adjunct professor at Osgoode Hall Law School. And now, without further ado, Madame LaRue, the Canadian Club of Toronto's podium, Canada's podium of record, is now yours. Ladies and gentlemen, through the years, this podium has been graced by prime ministers and premiers. 
it is uh, also a podium or forum of choice for leaders in business, arts, education, and much more. As a CTV broadcaster Lord Robertson said, if someone wants to say something to Canadians about this country or about the future of this country, this is the venue you choose. So I feel very privileged to have this opportunity to speak to you about Canada, but also, of course, about Desjardins. So I'm going to speak very briefly about the Canadian economy. Second, I will talk about the contribution of co-ops and mutuals to Canadians and to the Canadian economy. And finally, I'm going to talk very briefly about Desjardins. And after that, question period <laughs> with a very renowned journalist. As you well know, the Canadian economy is going through a very challenging time. And there's also a lot of uncertainty and instability in the world. Full-time job creation in Canada has slowed. Oil prices are down significantly. And no one knows when they will recover. Because of oil and other factors, the Canadian dollar is falling, as are interest rates. Yes, we have to face some challenges. But let's look at the opportunities. The diversity of our economy is a very important strength, and we need to continue to build on it. There's much more to our economy than, of course, the energy sector and natural resources. In fact, the weaker dollar should help our manufacturers, technology industries, and other exporters across the country. Now, the real danger is that they will grow dependent, once again, on a low dollar. This is not the right formula for success in the long term. Some commentators have compared a low dollar driven export economy to a sugar rush. It gives a lot of short-term boost, but delivers little in the long run. Businesses must take the opportunity to invest more in technology, in innovation, and people to increase productivity and competitivity. We have known this for a very long time, but now I think it's the time to act. Businesses must also diversify their markets. The U.S. is growing in a way that is very robust. This is very positive for Canada. But it would be a mistake to rely on only one market over the long run. The government has an important role to play in providing the right conditions for success. The free trade initiatives with Asia and Europe are very positive. But much more needs to be done in terms of investment in infrastructure, roads, bridges, especially in Montreal, <laughs> internet connectivity, particularly in our major cities across the country, and also in education and training. In other words, make it a priority 
to invest in all those pillars that support the private sector to build a strong, competitive, productive economy. Looking at governments in Canada, it also seems to me that we need to have more collaboration at all levels between the federal government and provinces, but also with our major cities. In some way, and of course it might be too simplistic, the Desjardins structure is similar to Canada. We have the case or credit unions at the local level. We have regional networks of case like, you know, the provincial level. And we have the federation of networks at the Desjardins group level, like the national level. Years ago at Desjardins, we recognized that uh, we are much stronger together than we are on our own. So we built on the strength of shared leadership and cooperation. This should be the road, the road map for Canada. As Canadians, we have to recognize that our country, in my view, is an ongoing project that will never be finished, and that all of us, governments, businesses, and people, need to work hard together to be the best in the global world. The premiers across the country are developing stronger relationships. Also, judging by their meeting here in Toronto last week, the mayors from cities across Canada have decided to work together. All of this is very positive for our country, and I think that there is reason, of course, to be hopeful. Now, this may surprise you, but an important contributor to our economic diversity is our cooperative sector. I will share some numbers. There are 10,000 cooperatives in Canada. They have 15 million members. On a global basis, the co-op numbers are big. 1 billion co-op members, 100 million co-op employees, generating over 2 trillion revenues. It's quite important. Co-ops have a long history right across Canada. They are an important part of our economy, playing a role in almost every sector. Desjardins Group feels a responsibility to support other co-ops in Canada. For instance, we maintain close relationship, business relationships, with about 50 credit unions across the country. Internationally, we have hosted two international summits in Quebec City, like, you know, what they do in Davos in Switzerland. And we did that in 2012 and 2014. These brought together co-op and mutual leaders and experts from around the world. The last one, we talk a lot about innovation, we talk about service to members, we talk about food security, financial inclusion, very broad topic, and most importantly, creation of jobs and contribution of businesses to the economy. From a public point of view, co-ops bring many products and services to Canadian consumers, even in remote locations. Co-ops are not subject to hostile takeovers, nor do they export jobs to low-cost areas on the, of the world 
just to cut costs. And because they don't have shares traded on equity markets, co-ops usually take the long-term view in managing the business. Finally, since they are democratic organization, and democracy, I think, cannot be taken for granted. They contribute a lot on a daily basis in educating Canadians, elected officers or board members of you know, the various co-ops, about financial matters and the economy. For all those reasons, I believe that it is good for Canada to have a strong, diversified, plural economy composed of a dynamic, well-regulated private sector, an efficient and effective government sector, and of course, a profitable, growing, and innovative co-op sector. Desjardins Group, Canada's largest financial cooperative, nicely fits that description of the co-op sector. I think that we are profitable, growing, and innovative. And I can talk a lot about Desjardins, but sometimes the image is uh, better than a lot of words. So let's look together at a very brief video. conclude about State Farm, State Farm and Desjardins. The State Farm transaction, uh, which was closed in early January, positioned us as the second largest PNC insurer in the country. It solidifies our rank as the fifth largest life and health insurer in the country. It also provides us 
with a very solid and promising agent network in Ontario, Alberta, and New Brunswick for the distribution of all the Desjardins financial products. The State Farm transaction is also an innovative example of cooperation. Three of the world's leading cooperatives and mutuals, State Farm in the U.S., Desjardins in Canada, and Crédit Mutuel in Europe, are investing together in our PNC organization to ensure the transaction is a success. We are very enthusiastic to continue to serve with the support of the State Farm people, the 1.2 million customers that are customers of State Farm. And uh, of course, we are very happy to have uh, the privilege to do it with a highly experienced network of agents. So cooperatives can be innovative and play a significant role in the economy by working together. Talking about innovation, Desjardins is also leading the way with usage-based instruments. Our Adjusto telematics products helps good drivers to save money. And it also encourages good driving approach, which benefits everyone on the road. Looking forward, Desjardins is committed to growing across the country. We want to diversify our markets and client base. We are also committed to investing in technology, innovation, and people. Digital technology is transforming the world, transforming also the way we do business and the way we as people connect to each other. As we know, well, many Silicon Valley companies and others around the world have their sight on the financial services market. We at Desjardins, building on our people, are moving forward to meet the challenge. As we face it, it is important and more important than ever that we cooperate, we perform, and we innovate. I think that this is true for Desjardins, but I think it is also true for Canada. Thank you. Is it working? Yeah, it's good. It is. So thank you everyone for joining us today. Monique doesn't know it, but an hour ago she was responsible for what I consider one of the major breakthroughs in my 30 years as a business journalist in Canada and the United States. I walked into the ladies' washroom of the Royal York Hotel and there was the CEO of Desjardins and I had her all to myself for 15 minutes. <laughs> so for the men in the room, eat your heart out. The ladies' room is where it's at. <laughs> good to see you again, Monique. Yes, it's good to Outside see you. Outside the ladies' room. <laughs> yes. But, you know, we need to always to be careful with a very experienced journalists. You know, yeah. ladies' room or <laughs> in the room. <laughs> I think you can be okay today. Yes, I'm sure. As we speak today... Oil prices, stock prices of oil companies are crumbling. This is a huge factor for the Canadian economy, and Monique 
I think the people in the room today would be very interested in your perspective on what you think the near-term impact is of this train wreck that they're all, we're all watching with great concern. Well, certainly, as I said, you know, it's a, it's a challenging time. Uh, however, thinking about the oil industry in Canada, I think that, uh, you know, there is uh, certainly some experience in the past and the industry has been able to recover. I'm looking at Jim Denning, who is the chair of the board of Western, highly experienced person also, knowing quite well the situation in Alberta, and I guess that you would agree with me that, uh, yes, it's uh, going down. It could be for a certain uh, period of time, but I think that, uh, you know, we we will be able to, to come up with, uh, with uh, some, uh, some solution. Having said that, it creates opportunities. It creates opportunities for uh, other uh, companies, uh, certainly in Ontario, in Quebec, uh, and elsewhere in Canada. Um, and it is certainly a, a good time to look uh, in uh, making sure to grow uh, some of our Canadian corporations outside Canada. I think that there is an opportunity there for the exporters. Uh, and certainly an opportunity and a reality that we need to invest more. Uh, also, there is a part that has to be played by governments. Uh, I was saying that uh, my view is that um, when we look at, uh, let's take Montreal, but also a little bit Toronto and other cities, I don't think that we could say if uh, for some of the people traveling around the world that uh, we have the most competitive infrastructure supporting our cities and supporting our businesses. And my view is that large cities have to be very competitive uh, in terms of the infrastructure to help the private sector to support, you know, the, uh, uh, the fact that uh, we have, uh, you know, people, workers uh, traveling around the world. So we need to be much more competitive. So I think that there is a, an interesting part to play. And that's why a collaboration between cities and provinces and we have, you know, different histories around the country where sometimes the collaboration between cities, provinces, and the federal government is not always optimal. So I think that there is an opportunity to hack here. And I guess the difference about this commodity crisis right now is that 10 or 15 years ago when we had our last major slump, not including the financial crisis, um, we had a much more robust manufacturing sector in Canada, uh, particularly in the auto sector. So it's, it's a smaller contributor to the GDP. Yes. Do we have enough manufacturing clout in this country to build our exports? That, that's, a, that's, a big, uh, that's a big question. And that's why I think that, uh, you know, we have, as CEO of large organization, uh, this, um, uh, you know, this uh, obligation uh, sometimes to invest for the long term. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm taking another example, you know, using Desjardins uh, just to... Uh, um, provide some uh, indication of my thinking. Um, if I look at the situation, uh, we, it would be very easy for us sometimes to reduce uh, the amount of investments that we do in different projects and technology, for example. And when you do that, of course, you can have very nice earnings and so forth. But the question that you need to, uh, to look is that are we investing enough for the future? Are we uh, able to be there for the next phase and so forth? So. Uh, I think that um, uh, CEOs in this country have uh, certainly a role to play in making sure that uh, this, uh, during those times we need to have the good balance to look long term and make the right investment for the future. And it brings also um, 
training programs uh, for our people. Uh, the um, Council um, of uh, Canadian uh, Chief Executive has indicated that there should be maybe a target of at least 2% uh, every year. At Desjardins, we are at 3 uh, and I believe it's very, uh, very important. And of course, a better alignment of training, education programs, and needs uh, for you know the right workers and the right uh, working force is also another priority. You know, it's interesting that you mentioned long term because one of the great debates, particularly for public companies mm-hmm. today, is the struggle between the short-term point of view yes. and the long-term point of view. And there are many CEOs who live in fear of getting calls from certain activists in New York that uh, can make your life very difficult because of their shorter perspective. What advantage do cooperatives have um, as a result of not being publicly listed and being representing, representing a collective? What are you able to do that other financial institutions in this country are not able to do? Um, well, it's uh, an interesting question, and uh, I have to say that uh, for any kind of organization, thinking long-term is always a challenge, uh, because you don't know the future, and sometimes you need to take some decisions that, uh, you know, you, you are not absolutely sure about, you know, what will be the outcome. Having said that, co-ops in general, first of all, you have uh, a lot of people involved into the decision process, which could be sometimes challenging. On the other end, it provides you with a lot of input and and some thinking to make sure that when you will be making the decision, it will not be for one or two or three quarters. It will be for a mid-long-term basis. So that's one one thing. So the governance um, brings us to think naturally more on a long-term basis. The other aspect of co-op is that there is a connection also which is quite close to members. For example, in Quebec or even in Ontario, when we do uh, some uh, you know, transformation with the case, we have to make sure that there is an alignment with the needs of the members, which means that, again, um, some of the transformation that we will be doing will have to be well connected to the needs of consumers and members. So again, this will bring us to think a little bit more long term. And the third aspect is that again, since we do not have shares on the market, it will bring us to think uh, in a way that when we look at the uh, size of uh, investment portfolio in in projects mid-long term, this will bring us to think in a way that we will look at the performance um, with a perspective of two to three years in terms of uh, looking at the overall financial performance. Another example that I could say is that when we did uh, you know, the um, cooperative agreement with Crédit Mutuel, and we are working, for example, in a very challenging uh, topic, which is the, the, payments, uh, um, the payment services uh, to small businesses and to consumers, we need to take a long term. It's impossible to invest in those initiatives without a view for the next quarter. But we feel that our customers and our members deserve that we invest for the long term. So this is another example why I think co-ops can bring a longer term perspective in the way we manage the business. All right. Now, you mentioned uh, State Farm. Yes. um, Big acquisition. Um, 
I think a lot of people in the insurance industry would like to know how you think you're going to be able to make a profit, particularly in Ontario, mm -hmm. where there are a mm -hmm. lot of losses. So just between you and me, what do you know that, oh. <laughs> that the other insurers don't know? <laughs> well, that's uh, that's a very interesting question, and of course, uh, we you know we started to uh, have conversation with State Farm US in uh, 2012, and uh, we started to have discussions at the board level during 2013 and 2014. So we had time to think very carefully about that. And what you are saying about the auto insurance industry in this province is, uh, is a real issue. Uh, however, we believe that uh, with the experience we've been able to develop across the country, uh, with the, the expertise of uh, our people, um, and I would say uh, the work that uh, is underway uh, with the government and IBC uh, representing the insurers uh, you know, in the country, uh, I believe that uh, you know there is uh, there there will be uh, some interesting potential. Of course, uh, State Farm uh, the State Farm transaction is not just about the Ontario uh, auto industry. Uh, however, it's a big part of it. Uh, I have to say also that uh, I don't want to throw the ball to somebody else, but I have the privilege, uh, you know, to work with a very solid team of people. And I would like to say hello, I don't know where she is, but uh, Sylvie Paquette, who is our leader of our PNC uh, insurance sector. And she will be, by the way, uh, very soon the chair of the board of IBC. So she will be certainly. So, uh, Sylvie, where are you? She's hiding. Room? Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> so, congratulations. And again, uh, uh, I could say hello to Barbara Bellissimo, who is also the leader of State Farm uh, here in, uh, um, uh, she's in the room. So I guess that uh, maybe with the Premier of Ontario, with the lady, and uh, with Sylvie and Barbara and other, well, maybe there could be some solution. <laughs> Okay, we're taking the conversation back to the ladies' room. <laughs> Why not? Um, you're the rarest of thing in the financial sector in this country, which is a female CEO. Why is diversity so difficult in the financial sector in this country? For example, I'm going to put him on the spot. Two years ago, I interviewed Ed Clark, the former CEO of Toronto Dominion Bank, who's a very enlightened individual. And I asked him, how long before you think we'll see... Uh, female at the top of the Toronto Dominion Bank or any bank in Canada and he very thoughtfully responded with mm -hmm. great optimism sometime within the next 20 years. Are, uh -huh. we, are we satisfied with this state of affairs? No. <laughs> <laughs> the answer to that, no. Um, well, we need to put things in perspective. Uh, if we were to have that conversation 40 years ago, I think that you know there would not be a lot of women in the room. Uh, and not a lot of experienced women also. Uh, so that's, that's one aspect. So th the need for the evolution and, and bring the competency, experience and so forth had to be done. And I think it has been done. And I'm looking at the room and I can see another lady very active, uh, Madame Johnson, Alexa Johnson, who is the, uh, the president of Catalyst. Uh, uh, so I think that there's a lot of work going on right now. Uh, certainly at Desjardins, it's a priority. 
uh, was saying uh, that you know we have Sylvie, we have Barbara, we have we have other. I don't want, and we have also uh, other excellent men. So the important no no, but I mean <laughs> that's true. The important thing is to bring the diversity. Uh, I believe personally in diversity. I was talking about the diversity of the economy. I thinking the same with the diversity of people, and you need to have a good balance between uh, men and, and women. Look in society in the world where, you know, there are some issues. I'm not saying it's the only reason. It would be too simplistic. But I think that when in a society, in an economy, in a business, in an organization, you have a good balance between men and women, you have a better organization. The other thing is that you have all of the population and the competences, uh, competencies of people with, uh, with women. So uh, as an organization, I think it is uh, very obvious that we need to move forward. Now, it doesn't come naturally. Uh, I think that you need to be very, very committed, uh, certainly as the CEO of the organization, to bring the talent and the experience into the executive ranks. You need sometimes to establish internal goals to get there. You need to look at blockers in the organization and, and, and systems that some, sometimes provides a, a BA. You need to correct that, to address that. And you, do, you need to do the same thing uh, with, uh, with board, and that's what we've decided to do at Desjardins. We had a big convention with all the elected officers in uh, 2013, and we came up with an objective of diversity, 50-50, plus and minus 10%. When I look at the elected officer of Desjardins with the CAES in Ontario and Quebec, well, we are over 35% women and men. So we are really going the right direction. And I think that this will have, you know, with our growing strategy in Canada, this will have an impact. And I'm quite sure that other large financial institutions will move forward. Well, on that note, thank you very much for your time. Thank you so much. Thank you for First, um, let me thank um, our uh, moderator today, um, uh, Jackie uh, McNish from the Globe and Mail. Um, thank you for doing such thorough preparation in the ladies' room beforehand. Um, uh, your uh, precision and thoroughness in this uh, in this process uh, is much appreciated. Um, Madame Larue, uh, merci beaucoup. Uh, thank you on behalf of uh, the Canadian Club of. Toronto, and on behalf of uh, our sponsors, um, uh, Anne-Marie uh, and her partners from ENY and uh, Marc-Andre Blanchard and our partners from McCarthy Tetra, we thank you for your passionate advocacy for business cooperation and in innovation. Uh, it's no wonder that the Desjardins Group consistently ranks uh, among the best places to work in Canada. might have something to do with you picking your colleague's card out of the um, draw. Um, <laughs> But also, uh, your passion and leadership is obviously um, uh, very important and a key to the, the um, uh, fact that your, your organization is consistently being ranked uh, one of uh, the world's strongest financial institutions. The, the, the group's global ranking and positive results, I think, are a testament to your commitment to making the world a better place. And for that, we applaud your courage and your leadership. Your advice about how... Um, about acting now to contribute uh, to the long-term prosperity here and abroad, I believe is being listened to. 
we note that more and more businesses and governments are reaching across sectors and borders to advance a more uh, advance and promote your vision of cooperation and your personal leadership, I believe, is making a difference. You've taken the cooperative approach and structure not just beyond the borders of, of Quebec, but indeed to the elite tier, uh, tier of the financial services sector and now the insurance sector. May I extend best wishes for continued success to you and your colleagues in all that you do to contribute to our nation and indeed our world's prosperity. Thank you. Thank you, Paul, and I'd like to echo your message of thanks to Madame LaRue and to Jackie for uh, a spirited question and answer session. I'd also uh, once again like to thank uh, and express our special thanks to event sponsors EY and McCarthy Tetro LLP. Thank you for your support. Now, before we adjourn for lunch, I'd like to quickly tell you about some of our upcoming events. On March 2nd, CP Rail CEO Hunter Harrison will join us to share his thoughts on the North American transportation industry, the transition from cost control to growth, and the realities of regulation in the modern marketplace. And on April 28th, we are proud to recognize one of the country's most distinguished Canadians. The Right Honourable Paul Martin, will be our 2014 Lifetime Achievement Award winner, and it's an award that celebrates the lifelong efforts and leadership of extraordinary Canadians. For a full listing of the club's upcoming events and to order tickets, you can visit our website at canadianclub.org. And finally, before I adjourn today's meeting, I'd like to draw your attention to the event survey cards on each of your tables. The Canadian Club is always looking for ways to improve your experience, so please take a minute to help us by sharing your thoughts and comments, including whether you like our new shortened luncheon format this season. We very much appreciate your feedback. This concludes our program today, which will be broadcast on Rogers TV in the days to come. We'd like to thank MediaEvents.ca, Canada's online event space, for live webcasting today's event. We're also grateful to Rogers TV and 680 News for their continuing promotion of Canadian Club events. And now, ladies and gentlemen, please rise as you are able and join me in a toast to Canada. To Canada. Thank you for being an engaged and attentive audience this afternoon. Please enjoy your lunch. <laughs>